Nothing of note really happened this past weekend. So, pretend we're football for the next hour. I'm your host, Will Bazer. I'm joined alongside by Johnny Brashear and Timothy Preston, as always. Y'all, we're going to be joined by a special guest at the end of the show, former basketball player for the Longhorns not too long ago, and hype man extraordinaire Joe Schwartz to celebrate Texas being the Big 12 champions. I'll throw in some fireworks and horn post effects, maybe. We'll see how lazy I am. Maybe just one of those, like, reggaeton horns. Now that we got that out of the way, we're going to go ahead and, and try to do our best to deal with that because, honestly, we've never had that much of substance to celebrate on the show, so we'll see how we deal with that. Texas finally got their first championship, Big 12 championship, in seven tries. We're going to talk about why that is so cool for Texas fans and us personally. Do a little breakdown of the Texas Tech and Oklahoma State games as they were complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Talk about the emergence of Jericho Sims and Matt Coleman. What happened with Greg Brown and Courtney Ramey. Then talk about Texas earning themselves a three seed in what looks to be a potentially favorable uh, region for March Madness. Texas is going to take on number 14, Abilene Christian. Talk about why they're so scary and how does Texas win, and then look at the rest of their little pod for this weekend. And then stay tuned for our Pretend We're Fantasy Football draft as we will be drafting our 3v3 basketball teams made up of Texas media members. So y'all will find out who picks Kirk Bowles. But let's go ahead and jump right into this, y'all. Texas Longhorns, Big 12 champions. How's it feel? It feels good. I enjoy it. I liked it. Um, I was unprepared for the emotions that, that came about from that. I never considered it a very realistic possibility uh, until basically the moment Oklahoma State beat Baylor. And then I, uh, th- then I, then it was like, okay, I mean. Dare to dream. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I know rationally it doesn't, it doesn't matter because, I mean, clearly it doesn't matter that much because if you look at how Big 12 teams got seeded, it's like the tournament selection committee didn't pay any attention. And looking at this from a historical perspective, one of our followers, Sprotspot, put together a nice little review of how all the past Big 12 tournament champions have done in March Madness. And they've averaged only about two wins in March Madness. So it's not like winning this pretends to anything spectacular coming down the line. It's not like it promises you a Final Four, but it's still something that is amazing that Texas fans have never dealt with before, have never had before. Texas basketball has never had before. Kind of dragged on by Iowa State recently, though. Like Iowa State recently has won like four and has only won two games. So there is there is that to it too. But yeah, for sure. But still, Texas fans have never been able to experience this before. Texas fans have never gotten a Big 12 championship. It always seems like they run into a wall whenever they get there or whenever they get close. It just, that win over Oklahoma State just hit a little bit differently. I, I thought about this, about sort of why it why it hit me the way it did. I thought about it almost as much as Tim thinks about this podcast every single week on his runs. Um, well, on, on a run. I only talked about it for one night. So it was, there we go. Yeah, was, okay. All right. I, I shouldn't oversell how much I thought about this. I I think for me, 
and maybe I'm probably speculating here for players and some of the coaches. It's, it's like we've spent the last five seasons in this sort of almost land, except for the 11 win season. We were definitely not in almost land, but there was, and that was the season we started the podcast. Yes. The season we started the podcast, the 11 win season, which was a fantastic decision on our part. Um, the, there was, there've been so many instances with this, this team and this program over the last four plus years of, they seem to almost be figuring it out or they show these signs that they're about to turn a corner, but then something happens, whether it's Andrew's cancer or whether it's them not putting everything together. They, you know, there's various reasons in and out of their control. The global pandemic. Well, yeah, I mean it, that global pandemic, hit after they got shithoused by Oklahoma State, so let's not get too ahead of ourselves. But there, there's been these ups and downs, and the ups are almost high enough for you to want to believe. And the lows are way below believing in this program, and, and in Shaka and his tenure. And there hasn't really been a like a tangible thing you could go, okay, this is real progress, like legitimate, like sort of program arc progress. The, the NIT was nice and it showed a thing, but then the next year they were up and down again. And like, it's just sort of, this is a real thing. This is a real thing. There's a trophy that sits in their case now that says, at least at this point, we've figured this shit out and we've beaten whoever we needed to face in, in the second toughest conference in the country. And, that's that that brought out a lot in me and i i i i i had a moment or or two catharsis and happiness and just general like holy fucking shit we finally did something you know when barnes was at his best i think that it's safe to say that they were top five to top ten for about a good eight year ish stretch and rick turned down kentucky at least once arguably twice which is not nothing. <laughs> you know, Gillespie going there was, you know, obviously a big deal for him. But when Rick had it going here at Texas, they were terrific. He never won the Big 12 Championship Tournament, which is saying something. And I think it also speaks to the fact, at least a little bit, that the dichotomy of Rick's tenure here was was very pointed the highs were super high. The lows were, were pretty doggone low, you know, and that's also, you know, a a little bit of, of a, a piece of what he had to do with it because it's not low in comparison to some other Texas tenures. Penders when he was bad, was bad. Just about all of them. Right. (laughs) Lemons when he was bad, was bad. Whatlick was not good. You know, some of that stuff. Um, I don't go any farther, you know, historical, historically than that, but, but Shaka is going to be compared to Rick. I mean, there's just that's of course going to be, you know, the the barometer by which we are going to compare him. And I mean, yeah, in the same vein, Steve Sarkeesian is going to be compared to DKR and Mac Brown. So were the other football which coaches. Of course, yeah, which that's what it is. You know, when you've had a stop a, pretending we're football and pretend we're football. <laughs> so, so from that standpoint, like you understand, you understand that that Shaka has his work cut out for him because the best of Rick was very, very good. And I don't think this, I don't think this team will, will match that. I don't think this team is going to make the final four. If they make the elite eight, I'm going to be, you know, very, very, very happy. That being said, 
when they won this, so, uh, you know, I, obviously I'm a, I'm a big believer in like behind the curtain. So, <laughs> so Friday night, what a shock. I'm on a walk with my dog Murphy and Will gives me a call. And so Will and I are talking for like 30 seconds. And he's like, I got to get Jenny, Johnny in here. So he calls Johnny too. And all three of us are on a call and Johnny has a personal matter that he's got to attend to. And, uh, <laughs> And I'm walking. Don't interrupt sex night. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) And I'm walking Murphy, you know, and I say to them, hey, just so you know, guys, I know Texas won, but I haven't watched the game because I was with family all day. And like, it just kind of worked out that I hadn't watched the game at night, but I was on my email and I got an email from Texas sports saying, buy Big 12 championship gear. So, so I'm, so obviously like I'm walking Murphy and I just fucking jump up and scream really loud and like do like a double, a triple flip as I want to do all the time. And uh, I'm just really excited. And Johnny's like, just so you know, Tim, it's going to be super satisfying. You're going to have the, the greatest time ever watching this game. And he's right. Like, I knew the outcome. I knew the exact score. I could go on Ken Palm and, like, look at the box score and see what all happened. And it just, it, I watched that game, like, four times that night. Like, I just went back to the start and watched the whole thing. And it was, it was really rewarding. And I just, I love Texas sports and I love Texas basketball so much. And it was just, it was a really... It was a very, very meaningful thing. And as much as I try to write about the team in as methodical and as thoughtful of a way, as much as I try to like break down the games from uh, like, okay, well, what's happening? What are some of the, the ebbs and flows of it? Where are we struggling? Where are we doing well? It just was a really, a really, really cool thing to see them win, the team, win that. And like to watch our guys cut, on, cut down those nets and see our coach sit on the sideline and like, like put his knee on the ground, like watch his guys do that. It was, it was, yeah, it's really cool to watch Andrew Jones pick up Shaka Smart and carry him around. Yeah, I mean, just you know, like like, and obviously people have heard me talk about this stuff too many times, but like there have been a couple times where I've had some some players who were good, and my maybe my most meaningful time as a coach was my second year coaching this you know the high school team that I coach. And uh, I had a doubles team make it to state, and they won their first round. They lost their second round match to the, the one seed or the two seed who were super good, who ended up like either I think winning it that year. And then the third, if they lost the next match, they were out of the tournament and they lost. But they lost really close. They watched like ten eight in the super breaker, and we get off the court, and um, one of my guys does the same thing, like picks me up, just like this gives me a big hug, and like you know, like I was just super proud of them, and it was a really. A very meaningful thing. So, really cool. I watched the post-game net cut-down awards thing on ESPN Plus at, at least twice, if not three times. And I never watched that shit. I never watched this. Like, I, 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 was, I was wanting to see more of everything. And I was watching, you know, who was good at cutting down the net or who was bad at it. Uh... Andrea Hootie, no surprise, clearly the most proficient at cutting down the net. Uh, she's had a lot of practice. Um, and, and it was just, you know, the, the team giving Shaka that sort of enormous roar when he got to go cut down the net was cool. Like, I, you know, it is, as much as fans have been in and out on Shaka and, you know, we, we've been critical of him as well. And I mean, hell, I said he should have been fired a year ago. So like, I'm, I'm in on this, The the players never gave up on him and they, they love him to death and they were as happy as anybody about it. I mean, Matt Coleman talked about in the post game. And so it's, it's cool to see 
them enjoying the moment and understanding the significance and, and sort of moving forward. And so I, you know, I, I'm not worried about a hangover going forward or anything because they're, you know, they, they, they clearly have eyes on the prize. Yeah. And sort of in that same vein, I'm going to go ahead and pretend we're football again. When you look at Charlie Strong's time here at Texas, you always heard, Oh, the players love him. He's a player's coach. And the fans response to that every single time was, if you love him so much, then go out and play like it. Now, it's obviously two different sports, but Chaka Smart actually got his players to win for him, to play like it, to play like they loved him, and they proved it on the court. I think it's also a, a, uh, indicative of how different basketball to football is in a lot of ways, too. It's a great comparison, Will. On the other hand, it's also an example of, like, you can be a player's coach all you want in football if your X's and O's aren't there. You know, who knows in basketball, like we can ride Jericho and Matt to a championship, you know, Matt, you know, uh, Kai and Brock played great in the championship game, but like we kind of legitimately rode Jericho and Matt to a title, <laughs> like, like objectively, uh, Courtney and Andrew and Greg did not play very well. Uh, Jace, I don't know if he scored at all in the championship game and yet we won. Well, you can't do that in football. So it's one of those things where they can think in a fan base is, as Texas as as football centric as Texas is, that's a that's a good example of the difference. Right. And to go back to the macro thing that Johnny was talking about with Rick Barnes where where you saw things that you could believe in, like the final four. But sort of in the back half of his years and now it's happening at Tennessee, you saw things like, oh, you get to the number two team in the nation and then you fall apart. It was just things like that over and over and over again where they just gave you some hope. The team gave you some hope and then swiped it away. Kind of like Lucy and Charlie Brown with the football, where Lucy would pick up the football whenever Charlie Brown would come and kick it. It's That was Texas basketball and Texas basketball fans. So Texas fans got really tired of that, and they wanted to change and went to Chaka Smart, and they were expecting things to be different. But Chaka Smart kind of showed a little bit more of the same, and a lot of it had to do with just poor luck. But again, you had strong starts and then and then falling down at the finish. It just kind of became a thing with Texas basketball where you can't really believe in the team. You can't believe your eyes because later on they're just going to pull the football away from you, Charlie Brown, and you're going to fall on your butt. So then you get to this year, and you're looking at all the talent and depth you have on this roster. And as a Texas fan, you're saying, we can't screw this up. Chuck Smart can't screw this up, right? It, it just doesn't happen. And then you start the season. It starts hot. You're top four team in the nation and then february hits and as a texas fan you're like oh it's all happening all over again it's the classic texas lucy pulling the football uh, why would we why did we believe in that it's texas basketball but texas turned it around proved it was just a little slump and they ended the season off in a hot streak they ended it off they beat texas tech ridding those demons they quote-unquote dodged kansas Dodged a chance to beat them a third time. Yes. Right. If you want to put an asterisk on that, I'll take the asterisk, you know, for dodging a team that you've already beaten twice. But then heading in and beating Oklahoma State, a team that was on such a hot streak, like one of those wild card teams in baseball or hockey that is just on such a hot streak that anybody who's in their way gets decimated. But Texas took care of business. And they played well. The Cowboys played well. Like, they're, like don't <laughs> make no mistake. They played well. Right. That's the difference between this team and teams of the past. Texas fans actually saw their team do something great. 
they actually saw them do something good. Their hope was not misplaced this time. Texas brought home a Big 12 championship. You can kind of believe in this. Now, obviously, be careful because it's not March Madness. But, hey, there's there's reason to believe. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... it. The uh, one of the things I, I've tried to to say as this you know as, as things have turned out in the last couple of weeks and, and I may or may not have made this point on here before is that um, I don't know whether or not this year portends anything in terms of the program trajectory you know we'll see when the time comes we'll see next mm-hmm. year what they are or or not um, but the rarity of this event especially the rarity of getting a conference tournament championship people should enjoy this for what it is and enjoy the ride wherever it goes, whether it's, you know, whether they make it out of the first weekend or not or whatever, like they just enjoy this because you don't, you know, I mean, it's been 26 years since they won a conference tournament championship. So enjoy it for what it is. And, and then we'll deal with what comes when it comes. Right. And the Durant year really sticks out to me with that is like, this was, that was a really good year, but they didn't win the, the tournament for like big 12 they didn't win the conference championship in the regular season and they lost in the second round you know this year no matter what happens <laughs> they have a big 12 title and it's and that's i'm not gonna i'm not gonna downplay that i'm not going to shake my head at that or feel like oh what if or oh we could have gone farther like yeah but at least there's something to show which does separate this from every year since 1995 and even then like every like the swc like that's a different championship than this year like it's it's just the big 12 is I'm not sure that the SWC ever had seven teams in the tournament, let alone seven teams ranked in the top 25. <laughs> so no, it was Arkansas and everybody else. <laughs> right, exactly. So yeah. you know, it's yeah. it's that's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna downplay that. As an aside, uh, if anybody ever wants to watch the height and the disappointment of Rick Barnes in the Big 12 tournament, go watch that Kevin Durant Kansas Finals game because. Texas was up 32 to 10 in that game and they scored 54 or something in the first half and they still lost that thing. Kansas was really good. Don't get me wrong. But like for about 15 minutes, Texas was humming and then just, it just fucking went away. So it's a perfect allegory for Rick Barnes and his tenure at Texas, (laughs) his tenure everywhere. Yeah, that's true. So we got into the macro of what this tournament means. Let's go ahead and get into the nitty-gritty, because why would we want to stop talking about Texas being the Big 12 champions? Let's break down Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, two completely different games in terms of style, but tell a story of Texas at the end of the season and potentially what's going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think with the the Tech game, um, first of all, fuck Tech, just in general. Um, That's that's just... Fuck Tech! Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy any time they lose. Uh, there are few, very few teams on this earth. I will root against when they're playing tech. Want to point out that I had a coworker that loves Iowa state that this week, and I called Johnny right away afterwards and said, and told him about this, but he said, Oh, I like Chris Beard more than I like Shaka because Shaka is just too animated. He's just, he's just like a, a caricature on the court that like, compared to Beard. Did you watch him get a technical this year from flopping like a fish on the court? Like, come on, what is going on? Chris Chris Beard is uh, less aggressive, Bobby Knight. Um, he's 
Yeah, he's he, he's he doesn't he doesn't hit people that we know of, and he hasn't thrown a chair. But other than that, um, yeah, it's uh, look it, it, there there were there were different pros and cons of this game. I, I we talked about this in the last podcast that I knew I was not going to enjoy watching this game because I don't enjoy watching tech games in general because it's always murder ball uh, where they're setting a million illegal screens and trying to take charges everywhere across the court and it just drives me insane uh, that that is that is more of their offense than their actual shooting in in a number of years it was nice to see Mac McClung kind of have to just fucking sit there and take it for a, a significant portion of the game I don't know why he got benched to start the second half, but I'm going to enjoy it regardless. You know, I guess the, the what I took out of that was a couple things. One is that uh, Coleman had an okay game. He, he, he did all right. Like he had, he was a very good steadying presence for the most part. He, he had some turnovers, which were unfortunate, but generally speaking, this team is going to go as far as Matt and Jericho take them, which we'll get into later. What I enjoyed about it in part is that it's really nice to have a guy like Jace show up in February and provide a spark because it's like, you know, one of the things like 15 points off yeah. the bench. Yeah. 15 points. Yeah. I'll take that. Five. Yeah. Five and nine off of Jace. And they arguably should have let him shoot three or four more. One of the nice things about having a guy like Jace show up mid season effectively is that where we talked about in a number of these episodes that this team's, can afford a bad game from Andrew, Courtney, or Matt, but maybe not two of the three or three of the three. If Jace is... Surprise! Yeah, if Jace is in there, then suddenly you've got another person who, at least in part, can offset one of those others. You know, like you've got another person to kind of back things up. And uh, to to his credit, his on-ball defense has gotten better and better over his career. Um, And he's also better off-ball than say Greg Brown, um, although that's not a high bar. It's so it's is still, my mom. Yeah, yeah. So your mom's a lot of she's a lot better at a lot of things involving balls, Tim. Hey yo. So yeah, there. You know, it's nice to have a guy like Jace around who can provide a spark when it's needed, uh, and he's not going to. He's not ball dominant, so it's if he's not feeling it, then it's not going to be a massive drain on the team right like they can bring him back out so it's it's good to see him plus if brock cunningham was on tech he would be the most hated player in the country possibly um but he's on texas so i adore him how's the view from up there johnny yeah brock cunningham mountain is pretty full these days uh there's we're taking reservations for 2022 he hits one three and all of a sudden it's the greatest view of all time come on now (laughs) yes look i I I t- so I talked to I talked to somebody who's like one of the family members of one of, uh, of the team, and they said that guy is chaos, and I cannot get enough of him. And, and it's true. It's that's that's what Brock's role is. He's chaos, and I'm super happy he is Texas chaos rather than anybody else. But yeah, I mean, Tech, tech was just a it was a tough game to watch. I was. Not happy for most of it, just because I had to watch Tech play. And, and but Texas got the win. Matt Coleman hit the clutch free throws at the end, which was great. He full wasn't the only circle. one. Who, full circle, full circle. Yep, 
full circle. He he gets to be the Keenan Evans of this team as opposed to watching Keenan Evans go do something in the Elite Eight. So, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a gratifying win, and I'm glad we don't have to watch Tech again the rest of the year. On the other side, you had Oklahoma State, and that game, again, we already talked about it, was just phenomenal to watch. Kate Cunningham is a monster. I mean, it's a, no wonder he's the number one player in the country. It kind of took him a little bit to get used to this level of the game, and I assume it will be at the next level the same thing, but man, when he shoots threes, it is just a beauty to watch. Uh, his hips and shoulders are terrific, and that's pr- uh, kind of a you know, a little bit of a deep cut as far as like what most people watch when they watch the game. But man, his hips and shoulders are phenomenal. He's so good at squaring. Um, He just, he just is always under control. He um, turns the corner really well. He sees the floor really well. He never kind of gets out of control as far as his footwork. He's really smart. He's a really smart, really good basketball player. And to watch him kind of will his team back into that game like that like it felt like <laughs> if texas scores 91 against almost anyone else they win by 15 to 20 points and he just was like nope not today so that was cool that was cool you know like it was nice to win a championship for texas like that and like and i like still have to like play hard and jericho sims's free throws meant something so hopefully that helps next week and matt's Late game heroics meant something, so hopefully that helps next week. But yeah, he's 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 very good. Cunningham's terrific, and I think we talked about him in November, saying like oh, he'll probably be the Big Twelve Player of the Year, and and he was so good for him and good for Oklahoma State. But it was a game that just felt like I don't want to say that Texas was destined to win, but they certainly they certainly kept on finding a way, and and we we, we talked a lot this year about how. Texas answered runs a lot of times against opponents this season better than they have at you know at least since 2011 and for sure anytime under, under Shaka so for for them to keep on doing that against Oklahoma State in that kind of environment in that circumstance and to know what's on the line as far as like playing for a three or a four or a two yeah it was it was a great experience and just like when Kansas beat Durant we beat Cunningham so hooray for us I think sometimes it is enjoyable to watch basketball and i know that's an that's a simplification but sometimes you get a pair of teams together that have a clarity of purpose a high level of ability and they put together a a game where you just it's it's a beautiful game and you get to see that they're not mucking it up with charges and a bunch of other crap right like it's it's they are executing their game plan they are executing their defense they are they're doing what they need to do and and this was both teams playing at a very high level um texas was at a higher level than oklahoma state and i even when oklahoma state got it down to two at one point i wasn't particularly worried because it just felt like texas was about to come back and make some sort of run you you weren't worried I think everybody no. was worried. I was worried. I, who was I not wasn't, worried? I no, no. I mean, I, I there was there was no answer for Jericho, and True. Matt Coleman was playing at such a level that I I watched that him. Fran like, Fraschilla yes. said that he has been quiet this game. Such a level that <laughs> that Fran Fraschilla said that. Yeah, he's. 
I mean, I knew Cade was going to do some stuff, right? Like Cade is a legitimately good player. And as, as much as he gets sort of the Trey Young treatment in every broadcast, he earned it, right? Like he's, he is legitimately good at what he does and he is going to make a lot of money at the next level. Um, but like Kai did some good stuff. Um, Brock was out there being a pest, but Matt Coleman and Jericho Sims were that Oklahoma State couldn't stop either of them. They couldn't even limit either of them. And so I just, I mean, it, it, I never really entertained or entered my mind that, that Texas could lose this game because I was just watching it thinking like, Coleman's about to go out there and hit a three. Boom, there goes the three. Oh, Coleman's going to get in the paint again. Yep, got the paint again. Oh, somebody just fed Jericho. He's going to dunk it. Yep, he dunked it again. Like, they just, they just had it, man. So Texas won that game, right? We already talked about it because they got a lot of help in places that they weren't expecting it, right? With guys like Brock Cunningham scoring points, right? He almost had double-digit points. You had guys like Jace Febris coming off the bench. You had Kai Jones doing well. Places that, you know, you might expect it or places where you weren't really expecting it at all. And then to top that off, you had performances like Jericho Sims and Matt Coleman that brought them onto the national stage and actually might put them in the conversation for the NBA, depending on how they do in the tournament. You know, Jericho Sims more so than Matt Coleman probably, but the, their appearance, especially on this stage in front of the nation, was huge. Jericho Sims has just gone from, I mean, literally the transformation was on ESPN from a skinny, lanky guy who was athletic to a guy who legitimately can dribble twice between the legs inside the paint and then go up and turn around and make you look silly on a layup. That's what Jericho Sims has turned into. And Matt Coleman, again, is just the clutch gene. Uh, you know, you sometimes you just don't understand where it comes from, but he has it. Those guys had such an incredible performance. Where did this come from? And, and on the national stage, what does it mean for these guys? And Texas. It's, so I think for, I'll, I'll talk about Jericho first. I, I, I still don't necessarily think he's going to get drafted, but I do think he's going to make somebody's camp for sure. Like maybe he's on a two-way deal or maybe he's something, you know, maybe he's a late second round flyer kind of thing because he's still a senior and they love to load up on young guys. But I'm sure somebody's going to find a use for that dude because he's like, you can't watch what he's doing right now and not go, well, I don't know if we got to play for that. Like it's, he's, He's guarding guards. He's guarding bigs. He's running to the rim. He's got a clarity of purpose that he is only, you know, it's been very unreliable that uh, that he's had that. And he's had it for several games now, so I don't think it's going away this season. I'm I'm really happy to watch him, you know, get, get excited enough that he smiled on TV uh, when he didn't realize there was a camera on him. Uh, Beamed as- on TV. <laughs> Beamed. Yeah, he yeah he showed teeth and everything. It was, it was like it wasn't a sm- smile when he cut down the net. Did he change his face? He's a cyborg, I so I don't I don't know. I didn't see. I didn't see if he did. I you know he was maybe there a maybe he, and he did it. He burned out all his smiles on the court. I guess <laughs> um, he just you know he went up and robotically grabbed one one piece of the net and just tore it off and walked <laughs> into the locker room. I, I don't know. Um, so I think. Uh, with Matt, as much as I, I don't want to get into hyperbole because this is Tim's adopted son and he's got plenty of time for that, 
I felt like he sensed the moment more than anybody. He he was feeling it early, and he felt it throughout the game. Like he gets, I mentioned this on the on Substack. He gets theatrical when he's really feeling it, and it's not like, you know, it's it's not in a negative just way. Just kind of bouncy, just bouncy. Yeah, he's bouncy, or and he does stuff like throw a behind the back pass in the paint, or he. As as much as and I then used yell to yell at Jericho since we're not seeing that coming. <laughs> like I don't I don't know if any like that's a pass that gets completed in the NBA, but I don't know anybody there's not many many players in the NCAA who are expecting a behind the back pass at that point, at least not bigs. As much as I equated Eric Davis to Jazz in a chaotic way and a negative way, as just sort of some dude soloing off into the distance that nobody understands what the fuck he's doing because he's been doing cocaine for the last 16 hours. Matt Coleman is like the jazz you want to hear when he's really feeling it. Like he's, he's got like, he's freestyling and he's soloing, but he's also in the rhythm of everything and he's accentuating everything. We're going to have a talk at some point in this, at the end of the season of, if Matt doesn't come back, of where Matt Coleman ranks in the pantheon of things. And I feel like it's going to be higher than some people expect. I love Matt Coleman. <laughs> I I love him. I love him because of his energy. I love him because of how excited he is, because there have been so many times that I have watched Texas games with him playing, and he does something cool, or one of his teammates does something cool, and then they this like the, the the camera pans to him and he's just like bouncing and like he's got this big grin on his face and he just sort of like is this you know just just is a is a jumping bean of of excitement and happiness and it's just I just I love it I love it I love it I love Matt I love you know when Shaka talked about how Coach Shashevsky wanted him like that's legit like they wanted him like they offered him as their only point guard that class which is a gigantic deal. Like of all the things to me to, to, to say that I've, I've, I've gotten my corner or to say that a, a player has like in their back pocket, like to say, Hey, Krzyzewski wanted me as his point guard for an entire class is, is a lot. It's just, it's just a lot. It's, it's, it's something that you think that... Duke would like him this year. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, when Javin Delorier went to, went to Duke and not us, it ended up being a big deal, and and that's that's not a point guard. That's not something that like you know you can look at and say, well, if not him, then who? But for Coleman, if not him, then who? And we've talked a lot about how Shaka has struggled with with getting guards to Texas that are really really good, and we've been very pleased with with Matt's with what Matt's been able to do. But even that is not this. I want to say Kerwin scored what like like twenty eight points against North Carolina that one time when or like early in his early in the NIT championships even season, and Andrew had a really good run before he had leukemia, which seems weird to say, but not like this, not not like that, not in that moment at that time when his teammates were butt. <laughs> you know, I, I want to say Courtney was one for eight, Andrew was one for nine. Greg had no points or or whatever. I want I don't think Jace hit a shot from the from the you know from regulation and we still won. When Matt came to Texas it was it was more than just hey, we beat out Duke. It was also this is Shaka 13 years incarnate. Like like this is his mindset, this is his this is his prodigy, this is whatever. 
And for three and a half years, it wasn't. It just was fine. It was it was good. And that was a player that I believed in and that I thought was going to help us do good things, but just it never really kind of came to fruition. And then for, for it to come to fruition, and in that way, and in that kind of very exciting circumstance was was awesome <laughs> it was awesome and yeah. just made me realize how much more of a of a basketball savant i am than you guys um you guys <laughs> aren't very good and i'm and i'm really good so yeah it's true so then tell me what happened with greg brown and courtney ramey courtney ramey during texas tech had a negative 32 plus minus this guy has been inconsistent negative this year Negative 32 <laughs> this guy's been inconsistent this year but man he just had two really, really poor games. The second game, he kind of figured out where to put himself in the game. But Greg Brown is just kind of, he's a freshman kind of swimming out there right now, right? Yeah. What's troubling them right now? And how does it pretend for Texas going into the March Madness? So I am hopeful that Ramey will figure things out because he's had a longer track record of, you know, giving positive efforts in the season. You know, he's he has had some ups and downs, as, as most players do, but he, he's still, his ups are really high. Whereas with Brown, maybe billionaire's Royce Ham was right in that Greg Brown is kind of a hothead and kind of, a, kind of wears his heart on his sleeve like Royce does, but a billion times more. Um you know he he got uh he got frustrated in the tech game and he had a moment and he walked it off but he did it you know before he quote unquote walked it well i guess he literally walked it off before he walked it off he said some things on the sideline that uh were not complimentary of uh the coaches and so he didn't get the start the next game, which he shouldn't have, because if you're going to blow your gasket like that, there's there has to be some sort of consequence, especially with a team this deep and a guy like Kai sitting there just ready to start. Right. You better if if you're going to do that, your team better lose. Like if you're going to run your mouth like that, they had better lose because when they win, it gets a good team. Then like it just looks like sour grapes. I don't think Greg Brown is a selfish player. I don't think that he doesn't care about the team winning. I think he is, as Jace so eloquently said in the postgame, he's 18 years old and he needs to learn and he will learn over time, but he's 18. And so I think he just, you know, he, things got to him and he uh, had a moment and he paid for that moment by not starting the next game. But frankly, if uh, Kai is going to play like that and Brock is going to play like that, then Greg's minutes are going to shrink over the course of the March Madness probably because he's he has a world of potential but a very limited skill set right now. And against some teams, that will be enough, but against other teams, that will not. I, I expect Greg to have sort of a, a well relatively limited role going forward. Let's talk about going forward here. What do we think about Texas's place in the bracket they got the three seed so they're put in a pretty good spot historically to make potentially a run hopefully knock on wood i'm not like texas historically done i'm not gonna believe in it until it happens so they're in a spot where they can make a run now what do we think about this bracket in the region they're in and how texas is playing right now and how they match up against these players and the, these different teams, right? Broadly, Texas right now in the Michigan bracket. They have 
Alabama that they could potentially face. They have BYU that they could potentially face. They have Florida State, Michigan State. You know, they have so many different potentially big teams that they could face. But it seems to me like a little bit better of a bracket than, you know, where OU's placed or where Oklahoma State got placed. Like, they're in a pretty good spot, I think. But what do y'all think? The goal, the goal for any not number one seed was don't get placed in Gonzaga's bracket, don't get placed in Baylor's bracket, and go from there. Like, no disrespect to Illinois, who is very good, but they're not on the level of those other two, in my opinion. So uh, Michigan is a one seed, but the problem with them is we don't know how long Isaiah Livers is out. It sounds like it could be the rest of the season, possibly. Like, it's very unknown because it's just like a stress fracture thing. So, you know, depending on rehab, that guy might make a go of it. But he is maybe, you know, if he's not their best player, he's their second best player, and he's their point guard. So that 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 makes them, Michigan, the weakest number one seed just by default. So that opens a door for all the other high seeds in that portion of the bracket. So then it's a question of how do you feel about Bama? How do you feel about Florida State? How do you feel about a handful of other teams? And like, there's no team in this bracket that I think Texas can't beat. I mean, I'm not saying they will beat all of them, but like none of them are, you know, if they, if Gonzaga was the one seed, I'd be like, well, all right, maybe Elite Eight's the ceiling. So there's a path. No bracket is going to be super easy because it's March Madness and that's just how it is. And Texas being a, a three seed means that they are... One of the, you know, if they if they play to their seed, they go to the Sweet 16 and lose, which is not bad, all things considered. You know, a three seed is supposed to lose in the Sweet 16 in a vacuum, right? But if they're playing Bama or if they're playing, I, I don't know, Connecticut or somebody else, then, you know, like they got a shot. They got a shot against all these people. I'm not... I, I'm not writing an automatic L against anybody in this bracket. I guess me neither. Um. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough bracket for sure. And there's so if you said BYU made the final four, I would say yeah, maybe or us yes or Florida State yes or Michigan State UCLA. Uh, of course, Alabama. If UCLA makes Mich- the final four, something went wrong. Yeah, I I agree, but I've seen them play good games. So and we've seen tournaments where. Pac-12 teams have been better than what we have thought they would would be, so I don't think it's you know outrageous. But at the same time, I'm I'm glad that, as Johnny said, I'm glad we're not with Baylor. I'm glad we're not with Gonzaga because those two teams have been head and shoulders above everyone else. And for every good for every great win Illinois has, um, they've had some bad losses too. And we'll see what happens with, with Michigan with Livers being out. And but I'll yeah I'll take it. So then let's take a look in closer at Texas's pod because that's really the one that matters right now. We can talk about what happens after this. We'll have a lot more clarity after this weekend. But Texas is going to start off with facing Abilene Christian. Let's take a deep dive into Abilene Christian. Who are they? What do they do well? And why are they scary? So uh, I uh, this is not basketball, but I know someone who used to teach at Abilene Christian and his... Uh, review of Abilene Christian was this is the place you send your kids when you don't want them to learn anything outside of the Fox News bubble. So there's that. It's, they, he asked them to all write a write a book review 
and they all wrote about Twilight. So there. As far as basketball is concerned, it's, you know, it's kind of Texas Tech light in a lot of ways. Like they are, the, the, the Abilene Christian coach is a friend of Chris Beard's and they clearly have been exchanging notes because ACU plays a, a defense that tries to take a million charges. They try to force a ton of turnovers and you know, to their credit, they are very successful at taking at, at forcing a ton of turnovers, and that's as much as uh, a three seed is is favored and should be favored and wins. I want to say historically eighty five percent of the time. If Abilene Christian is going to pull the upset here, it is going to be because they turn over Texas at a high rate because their their offense is not great. It's okay. It's not good. Their offense is only as good as it is because they create a bunch of extra possessions through turnovers and steals. So it sounds like their play game plan is going to be keep the ball in Andrew Jones's hands, like what Oklahoma State was trying to do at the end. Get Greg Brown to try to make something happen because he's, you know, he tends to give up charges, and probably keep the ball away from Matt Coleman. Kind of I mean, play I keep think, away there. Yeah, like I, I would say that, you know, Abilene Christian is rated number 85 in Ken Palm, which makes them better than TCU, but not the top seven of the Big 12, right? So it's a team that Texas should win against if they play a solid game. Why would you say that? Every time we say that, they lose. Every I, time. I Well, no, that's no, it's when Tim says they should beat this team and it's probably not going to be a big deal. I said, if they play a solid game. Fuck you, bitch. (laughs) That's fair. That's a fair rebuttal. Well, then, okay. How does Texas win this game, Johnny? How do they go ahead and and take care of business here? I I mean, I think as long as they limit turnovers, that this this is a wrap. Because that's the only way... You know, the, the, the way teams beat Texas is by turning them over a ton... And play and enforcing their tempo on Texas, and I don't think Abilene Christian is going to be able to enforce their tempo, but they could possibly turn them over. So it, it's just a matter, of, you know, let Matt Coleman, Courtney Ramey, uh, and apparently Jericho Sims handle the ball, and and your turnovers should be minimal. There, there's no answer for Jericho Sims on Abilene Christian. So I, you know, as long as they can get it in the paint, they should be okay. All right, so y'all. Let's go ahead and look past Abilene Christian here. Kind of look over to the other side of this pod. BYU, Michigan State, or UCLA. First off, how do we feel against BYU? What is scary about them? And how does Texas take care of business there? And then on the other side, what if Michigan State or UCLA comes? Who do you think is more likely to do that? And I know the answer, but who's scarier? So BYU, for rational reasons, is the scariest of the three. They are a legitimately solid squad i think they're actually ranked a couple spots higher than texas and ken palm they gave gonzaga a real run for their money in the wcc tournament um it wasn't until late that gonzaga ran away and won by 10 points or whatever um they have matt harms who came from purdue who texas is unfortunately familiar with i think that you know sort of the harms sims battle will determine a lot about this game. And I think that that could be a really interesting clash in styles because Harms is a guy who can go out on the perimeter and 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 
uh, you know, he's not a great three point shooter, but he's, he's mobile enough that, that he can sort of be, I don't know. He's like a skinny Mormon Jericho Sims in some ways. And so I think, um, he, you know, it's, it, I still feel like Texas would be a, a you know mild favorite in that game. They should be, but it's a good it's a good test, and it would be um, a team that Texas will have to play a really good game to get past. So then, what about Michigan State and UCLA? I'll let Tim handle UCLA because he seems to think about them, seems to think more highly of them than me. Uh, I don't, I I just don't like McCronin teams in general because. They play faster than Tony Bennett, and that's about it. Michigan State scares the crap out of me for entirely irrational reasons. Um, logically speaking, Tex- irrational. Hold up, they beat three top ten teams: Illinois, Michigan, and Ohio State in the past two weeks. They did. They also lost to Maryland twice and got housed by Michigan in that same stretch. So that's sort of. They're a high beta team, and I don't know which team you're going to get if Texas plays them. Plus, I I have memories of how many times Tom Izzo has, has played Texas and come up with some sort of second-half adjustment that has rendered Texas useless, and it's just watching the blood drain from my face as Michigan State wins this game like 60-58 to 58 or some shit. Um, I, I You know, if we're on the... Shaka Smart is vanquishing his enemies and narratives, then I guess Michigan State is a great one to bring in because takes out Tom Izzo. That's another little notch in his belt. I don't think Michigan State is the best team here, obviously. They they have the potential to be the best team of those three. But I you know, I, I don't from game to game you don't know exactly what you're gonna get from them. So maybe I'm worrying over nothing. I think that UCLA is interesting because they play a lot of guys. If UCLA or Michigan State plays us, it's going to be their third game in five days. So that will be a lot. If you think about what they will have to kind of face as far as like just, you know, what what will they have to put into the world from an effort or energy standpoint and how tired will they be? I think that that's a good thing. So I actually am least worried about BYU because defensively they're not very good and I think they don't limit double penetration very well so Courtney and Andrew and Matt I think will be very good against BYU but UCLA and Michigan State I think are probably better equipped to stop us but also we'll have to play the third game so I like our chances but also we'll see (laughs) so well we'll see we'll see what happens here but I think let's continue the theme of celebration here by starting something new. We started something new last week, but something even newer, a guest. We have former Texas basketball player from 2014 to 2018, Joe Schwartz on here with us. Joe, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are y'all doing? It's it's the best time of the year. <sighs> Joe Schwartz. <sighs> <laughs> Tim has officially been outclassed as the best basketball player on this podcast. Fuck you, Johnny. Fuck you, you son of a bitch. Joe has been well acquainted with how professional we are here as podcasters and sports commentators on the basketball team. Joe, you know, is on Twitter and 
He's one of those guys who's who's coming back and is a huge Longhorn fan. So, Joe, give me your quick thoughts on this Texas basketball championship and, and what it means going forward for Shaka Smart and this program. Well, uh, the first thing I have to say is congratulations to those guys. Um, they really deserve it. They're playing great basketball right now. I'm extremely proud of them. Um, I know when COVID hit, mid-season we kind of took a little turn in the wrong direction after starting really hot but it seems like we're back on the right track and I think it starts with our senior leadership and the guy that grew the hair out so it's it's nice to see that things are starting to click because from a program building standpoint it's taken a few years to build it up and here we are with a chance to make a run Um, very exciting to watch them cut down the nets in Kansas City and but, but there's a lot more work to be done. We, we've got a new tournament in front of us, and that one's behind us. So I'm excited for the next few weeks. Three of you all want to take the next question? Ah, Joe Shorts. Way to go. That wasn't a question. That was just <laughs> noise. So I'll go ahead and take this one. What Joe- a three-pointer. Ah, Joe Shorts from three. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, where does Drayton Whiteside land on the pantheon of Texas basketball. He's a favorite of ours because of his record in UT basketball games. I mean, it's, it's impeccable. When he is on the floor, Texas wins. They have won every single game he has been on the floor. So the fact that he doesn't play more is sort of a – it's really despicable. And where does he land as you know basketball-talented players in the pantheon of Texas basketball? Is he above or below TJ Ford is what we're getting at. Oh, I mean, first off, there is a that that's a loaded question, but I think to start, um, any any walk on any walk on is going to have a special place in my heart, um, along with the other walk ons who have come through the program, and there have been a lot of good ones. Um, so to me, most walk ons have a pretty clean record when when they go in normally. It's when we're up a lot. In very few cases have I seen Texas walk-ons go in when we're down a lot. He fits in perfectly, historically speaking, with the walk-ons that have gone through the program. Um, but I think the other the other thing I should mention is watching how those guys have embraced the culture. And some guys at Texas do embrace the culture in different sports. Some guys don't. And I'm going to leave it at that. But I think, especially this year, and um, I, I was talking to someone the other day about it, I think it would have been really cool to see what it would have been like if I had a little bit more room to celebrate. Not saying I would ever like to play an arena with no fans, but um, seeing how they've spread out the bench and the sideline and with Kamaka and Drayton and Blake and all those guys running up and down after buckets, I think we would have had a little bit more fun. I'm sure McClurg and Danny uh, and myself would have had... A few uh, a few more bench warnings, and there would have been some crazy celebrations. But, no, Drayton's great. He does great things on the court, great in practice, really special kid. Um, undersized, but what he lacks in size, he brings in heart and skill on the court. So would you have done, like, a full, like, airplane run around DFW airport thing through all of the various seats that they've got set aside or, like – you you got a whole, you could do like a Tetris move in there. What would you have done with that much space? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, probably some sort of duck duck goose celebration. 
after oh, a fr- after after a three pointer, you go and just tap on the head, tap on the head, tap on the head, and after that third guy, you just start sprinting around the bench, running in circles um, until they tag you. Now, would that take away focus from the game? Probably, but so did a lot of things that we did on the bench. But it's all <laughs> it's all in good fun and and anything to bring energy and keep guys engaged. I mean, you like I said, you've got to embrace that role, and and our walk-ons in the past have done a good job of, of kind of teaching other walk-ons up and coming in the program how to embrace that role. I mean, when I got there under Coach Barnes, there were four walk-ons on the team already, and I happened to be the fifth one. Um, at the time, we were called the Lube Crew, last one's off the bench. That was something that we really took to heart, and what fans got to see was one, one maybe two minutes of game action every five to 10 games. And what we got to see was the day-to-day interactions with our, our players on the court, off the court, in the classroom, in study hall, on trips, stuff like that. So the the antics were definitely there when I was in college, but man, if we had a little bit more space, who knows? We could have been like Monmouth, but too bad Monmouth wasn't good at basketball. Who was the smartest team, like the, the, the academically best smartest team you played with? Um, Myself. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I'd probably have to go with McClurg, with Ryan McClurg. He was, he had it all up there. Very, very smart. He changed majors about nine times. I think he started as a geology major, and I, he never really liked playing with rocks and the ground. So I don't know why he decided to declare that as his major. And then that seems went, like a limiting factor. Yes. Right. I mean, I think that was just that. That's just Ryan. He he goes out on a limb for a lot of things, but, um, he ended up transferring into the business school and, um, I guess he was smart enough to, to graduate and he's doing really well in Austin. He's married now. So he was smart to, to find a girl that would put up with him. <laughs> Joe, you mentioned that you saw walk-ons being bought into the culture. What are the signs you're looking for to show that they are actually bought in as opposed to, I mean, not going through the motions, like everybody's invested, right? But what, what, what to you shows that people are legitimately bought in to the culture of the team? The first thing that you've got to see is, is an attitude on a daily basis, positive attitude. You can't have someone who's going to be detrimental to any sort of energy that we're trying to create. And and that starts most of the time in the summer. And when I was there, whether it was Todd Wright as our strength coach for the year that I had coach Wright or the three years that I was fortunate to have coach Roos, they made it very clear. So the coaches didn't have to what our roles needed to be. Now coaches had a say in that, but a lot of times the strength coaches are the ones that emphasize it because in the summertime, you spend a lot of time with the strength and conditioning coaches. Your role in the summertime is to really push those guys in the weight room and to push those guys in conditioning. So I think the first thing is having a, a mindset that you're there to push the other players, but you're not trying to impede on anything or be a negative influence on the guys or bring any sort of um, negative energy that could affect a team down the road. Um, and I think the second thing is accepting the fact that you were probably one of the better players on your high school team, but when you get to a school like Texas or really anywhere, you can't expect to go score 20 or 30 a night. That's not going to be your role. Your role is whatever player or whatever um, scheme 
the coach who is in charge of the scout for the team you're playing, whatever role they give you, you better perform to a T. You better know what that player um, you are playing the scout team for. Um, you better know what he does. You better know his tendencies. You you need to know where he needs to be on every play. And so that also comes to, to buying in. And that means getting to practice early and watching film on the other team. That means listening to what coaches have to say about game plans. And um, so I think as long as a player understands a walk-on, I say player, um, walk-ons are players, walk-on lives matter. But as long as they understand what their role is and don't do anything to negatively affect your program, I think walk-ons have a great role. Now, where problems can, can come into play is if there's guys that are detrimental to your program, if their grades aren't good, if their attitudes aren't good, if there's any issues with other players on the team. So so you've got to embrace it. You've got to understand what your role is, why you're there. But the bottom line is if you're able to do that, then life's pretty easy. So then I think my last question is who was a better bench hype man, you or Kamaka Hepa? Oh, boy. Someone tweeted that at me. Was that you the other night? No. Someone, someone, someone tweeted that at me the other night. That's a tough question. Um, Mock's a good kid, really, really good kid, and he's got a lot of potential, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for him because he can shoot the crap out of the ball, and um, he's he's got a lot of lot of positivity um, in his future, and there's uh, I can't wait to see the day um, that he's scoring 15, 20 points a game because he's more than capable of doing so. The one thing I will say, though, about him that's interesting is a lot of times when guys are in a role like Kamaka who may not necessarily be playing as much as he'd like to be playing, he's really embraced the culture and the bench enthusiasm. That's that's what's stood out the most to me is seeing how he's not complaining about minutes. He's not complaining about, oh, well, this guy's doing this. Why am I not doing this? He is engaged in every game. And one thing I noticed from the games that I went to this year is right out of timeouts, he's telling guys who their matchups are. He's telling them what to look for out of an inbounds or out of bounds play. And then during the game, while he's when he's not celebrating, he's up next to the assistant coaches trying to figure out, all right, well, what set are they running? What defense should we be in? What defense are they in? Um, so he's very engaged in the game. And I think for the most part, a lot of the excitement is all natural. Now, some of it's got to be staged, the the three-point bow and arrows um, and some of those celebrations, but I think it's just pure excitement, and that's really special to see from a kid who's probably on the inside not as happy with his playing time, but, you know, he, he's one that's really, really embraced his role, um, and, and it's been really fun to watch, and I would have loved to attend more games this year, but with COVID and um, some of the circumstances, we weren't allowed to go. But just watching him on TV and um, when I've been fortunate enough to be in the arena, um, really, really special kid. So I'm not going to give him the nod on on the better hype man, but um, am proud of him for his engagement. Here's the thing about that is you had time to practice, you know, your performances. Uh, has he? Has he had that chance to perform and practice like you had? Are you talking about celebrations? Yes, of course. Oh, I never practiced celebrations. They were all natural. Right off the top of the head. <laughs> no no performance enhancing drugs for your celebrations? No, no PEDs for the celebrations. We had a lot of fun on the end of the bench. And a lot of the guys 
from other schools that, that were on their so-called bench mobs or into the bench, whatever they wanted to call it, we could tell they practiced. All of ours were all natural. Um, coach Roos can attest to that. Our, our trainers could, our assistant coaches. Um, it was pure excitement. Um, there's actually a funny video from my freshman year. Cam Ridley went up to dunk on someone and Ryan swings his arm out and hit me in an area that does not feel good to be hit in. And it knocked me out to the, to the fact where I had to sit down on the bench while the rest of the team was celebrating. I mean, it, it did not feel very good, but you know, pure excitement is all I can say. Well, it's funny you mentioned that coach Roos would attest to this all being organic because I've actually got coach Roos. Um, no, I did. We don't, we don't have coach Roos. Um, that's, I, I didn't. So my, my, my final question <laughs> that, that landed wonderfully. My final question is it, you, you were part of the, the, the team that went to the NCAA tournament, uh, lost to Northern Iowa on the, on the half court. Oh, well, heat. All right. And so we really have to talk about that. I, I'm not talking about that. I'm, <laughs> no, I know. I'm, I'm setting the stage for the question. Right, the question right, right. is the the best moment or worst moment you had outside of the shot. Like what? A lot of the players are having their first NCAA tournament experience right now, and you know that is one of the last times that that Texas has been there. So I'm curious, from your perspective, what about it made it made it unique? What about it made it special? What what, what is sort of your defining memory from that moment? Or from from that experience, not from the Northern Iowa shot. Um, once again, a great question, loaded question, but um, I'm good at those. Yes, I know. I um, you know, I, I wasn't gonna tomorrow. I'm I'm actually coming out with a little piece of writing I've been doing. I've been working on it for a couple of days now. Not anything that really anyone asked for, but kind of something that I've wanted to get off my chest as we make this run or have a chance to make a run in the tournament. So I'm going to go into more detail with that tomorrow when it comes out, but I will give you all a little bit um, of what it's going to um, entail. And please plug where that's going to be. Uh, I'm going to, it'll be on my Twitter. Uh, I'll go ahead and spill some of it. So tomorrow is three years to the day from when we lost to Nevada in the tournament. So that was my last game, my senior year, three years to March 16th, 2018. So a day that I think about a lot, but probably my favorite moment. And I, I had one on the court, one off the court favorite. Um, my senior year, we're coming off an 11 and 22 season, the worst season in Texas basketball history. Um, that, was, that was the first season of our podcast, by the way. Well, we, we started I, I on a banger of a, of a season. Yeah. Well, that really wasn't even a low point. I think that summer, being able to bring in a group of freshmen by the name of Mo Bamba, Matt Coleman, Jace Febris, Royce Ham, Jericho Sims, those, those five guys, four of which who stayed, that summer was the first summer that a coach, this being Coach Roos, had really said, I need you and Ryan and the other walk-ons to really push these younger guys because they have no clue what they're getting themselves into, but we are not going to repeat and do what, do what we did last year. And so um, that summer was a very, very difficult summer. We worked our butts off, lots of practices, but at the end of the summer, we got a nice little reward, a little over a week long, almost two week long vacation slash tournament, not tournament, but we played some exhibition games in Australia. And that was probably my favorite off the court memory 
um, because we got to spend some very, very quality time with each other. While it was a basketball trip and we did play games over there, the games didn't count against our record. It, it allowed us to practice a lot more during the summer. So I think that really built some com- some camaraderie for our guys. But that's got to be my favorite off the court. Probably favorite on the court memory. There's two. My sophomore year, Javon hitting the shot against North Carolina. That's just, that was the first time that I had really won on a buzzer beater in anything, high school included. Um, so it was really cool to see. And that day was was pretty special for a lot of people because what a lot of people don't know with it being a 345 or 4 o'clock tip, that was the last day of finals. So a lot of us had finals that morning or early afternoon. I had a final at 1 o'clock and the teacher, she told me that if I didn't show up to the final, she'd fail me for the class. Because if people who are Texas basketball fans remember, we went to China that year. Then we went to the Bahamas that year before we beat Um, North Carolina on that buzzer beater all in about a 15 day span. So we missed a lot of class and the teacher was tired of excuses of why we were missing class. She didn't care that we went to China, didn't care that we were in the Bahamas, but she said, if you go to the game and don't take the final, then you will fail the class. So I ended up having to go to the game. I remember the weather wasn't great, but um, I had a buddy of mine waiting outside the building that I was taking the final in. And it felt just like the scene in Like Mike where they're all riding their scooters to the game and they pull up to the arena and they run in with Calvin Cambridge. That's exactly what it felt like. We literally parked my car on a median um, in the parking lot because there were no spots left. And I told one of the, the parking attendants, I said, I promise um, I'm late. I, I got to get down to the court. And she was fine with it. And so I ran down to the court. So Everything happened so quickly that game. Um, winning on the buzzer beater was awesome. And then one that's probably one of my favorite basketball memories ever was the the win against TCU at home. Um, just everything that we had gone through that week, learning about Andrew's diagnosis, having to band together with not a lot of practice time once we learned that news and having to come together and try and play a basketball game when there was so much uncertainty surrounding Andrew. We weren't able to be in touch with him. He didn't have his phone with him at the time. Coach Smart really didn't have a lot of information on on what was going on. So to watch a bunch of 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds come together with not much of a game plan against a very, very good TCU team and keep battling, keep fighting because that game went into double overtime. We thought we had him in regulation. Then I thought they were going to beat us in overtime. And then by the grace of God, that layup went off the rim when, when Jalen Fisher missed it. But that, that was probably the most exciting. It's still the background on my computer, all of us running off the bench after that layup was missed. Um, and from an emotional standpoint, that was, that was a really, really fun one. So let's go ahead and go and pivot from really, really serious and yeah. you know, heartfelt. Right, let's right, go ahead right. and start the, uh, the, the pretend we're fantasy football draft. And this week, we are doing your 3v3 basketball team made up of texas quote-unquote media members so from guys who are as serious as kirk bowles to guys who are as slapdick as us three that's 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 who we have to choose wait, from wait do we count as texas media <laughs> in the very 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 loosest terms yes no oh, i'm gonna have to rearrange this whole thing now all right <laughs> so y'all have a cheat sheet I don't. I'm going off the head. All right. Well, well. Let's see it. Let's let's see what yeah, we no, got. Our right. our podcast is defined by us not doing a lot of research, so you yeah. should be all right. Yeah. So <laughs> here's the way we're going to be doing this. So for those who are just starting here, this is a snake draft where 
We will start with the one who lost last week. There will be the first, second, and then third. You know, is the winner from last week, Johnny. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Johnny, you will yeah. be first. But since we have a guest here, we were going to give them the guest's honor. Uh, hey, where do you want to be in the choose order? Do you want to be first, second, third, or fourth? Oh boy. Um, how about second? All right, all right, second. So Johnny, you lost so badly last week that yeah, I, don't, I don't deserve. I don't deserve to be first. You will jump the guest. Okay, that's. I'll take it. I'll take any any sort of pity vote I can get, given how last week went. All right. So my first pick is Mike Finger. Oh God. Why? Because that's explain dude can, that. Look, I'll be honest. We don't generally do a lot of research on this, but I, I did did ask around, and among media members, they're like, "Yes, he can hoop." So Mike Finger is my pick. Interesting. Okay. I didn't even know he still covered Texas sports. I mean, he still writes about it here and there. So Yeah, but it's it's all negative. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Get negative st- look, if negative writing disqualifies you from Texas media, no. then I guess I'm out on being I think every I think everyone so. would be out. No, no, no. Um, that's fine. That's fine. We'll count Mike. Okay. All right. It's all love, so Joe, Mike, I promise. Joe, it's your turn. Oh, y'all aren't gonna like me for this one. Um I have to go Mr. Lance Blanks. Oh, son of a bitch! He does qualify. Oh. yeah, I that was think my he can. Yeah. Fuck you, Joe. I Fuck think, you. That's fair. I, I think son he can hoop a, a little bit. Ah, now I'm upset. Okay, all right. Lance yep. Blake. Joe won that one. Yeah, Joe all right. won that one. All right. God damn it, Tim. You're next. Uh, I thought no. I okay. Uh, Jerry Hamilton. Jerry Hamilton. Yep. He was recruiting a recruiting analyst for the for Inside Texas. Why yes. Jerry Hamilton? Connor McGregor. Who the fuck is that guy? Oh. <laughs> oh. Hey oh. Hey oh. Guy can shoot. Yep. Alright, so mine is gonna be I feel like this I don't I don't really know if he can hoop, but I know he's extremely athletic. And I know he covers Texas. I know he's a he's a bigger name. Emmanuel Acho? He's on I the Bachelor. Like- he's the Bachelor Rose guy now. I don't know if he has time for basketball. Wait, just okay. All right. But I, I, I bet I would not, not want to a wide enough spread here because now it's just like find the Texas athletes. I would not want to see him on the court. Exactly right. I feel like he's a good four. Like at least he he's gonna be a guy who who can run you over like likely can from Oklahoma State. I feel like he would be a menace on the court. He's a linebacker. Oh my God. Yeah, he's. So. Uh, I would not set up to take a charge on him. All right. So I guess I got the next pick, and I didn't really think. Through who will be the next guy? So I guess I'll go with Tim. You're gonna let me know if this is a good pick. Justin Wells is Justin Wells a good pick? Yeah, I feel like that's a good pick. Yes. Okay, I feel like Justin Wells knows enough basketball. Joe, do you know Justin Wells? I do. I think from a smart standpoint, he's probably someone I would take on the court. I, I, I don't know. He's, he's probably a good floor general. Yeah, I feel like he knows. He'd be a guy who could like work the team and, and like knows enough about basketball that that he could be kind of like your point guard. I, I'm not sure though. So uh, Justin Wells is my number two. So I got Emmanuel Acho and Justin Wells on my court. Uh, who's next, Tim? You're up. I will take Joe Schwartz. He's listen. He's the best. He's so smart, and just he's okay. Wait, hold up, Joe. Would you consider yourself a media member? Oh boy. I'd like I mean, to he think does so, have like a but... pro microphone in front of him, so there's that. It's the thought that counts. I'll take it. Right. Okay. He's fine. really handsome. Whatever. 
so handsome, so <laughs> handsome, and just really kind, and just he hates. He hates people that, that don't like basketball, but he loves basketball, and then he will wish the best. So, love you, Joe. What a guy. Oh, I appreciate it. I'll be on your three-on-three team anytime. Let's fucking go. That sounded terrible. That sounded awful. Joe, you go next. Oh, boy. Um, I had to pick between two, and I'm going to give I'm gonna give BD, Brian Davis, the nod just because – uh, it was between him and, and one other guy, but um, I'm going to give it to Brian Davis. I just feel like he could be a, a big presence in the paint. I think um, I think I'd take him to bang down low, get some rebounds, kick out, find find some shooters, um, and him and Lance in a pick and roll would be really good. I, I think Brian played in high school, so that's probably not a bad pick. <laughs> so, all right, my, my next two picks. Uh, next two picks are uh, Dustin McComas. Oh, and Bob Baloo. No, that was, I wanted Dustin. Did, wait, Bob Baloo, is Bob Baloo your big? He's kind of a big guy. Yeah, he's, he's like tall. I mean, he was he he was like a he he played in high school again. Like he's another dude. So, and Dustin, um, Dustin loves to shoot whenever he can. I I don't know if he's super mobile or not, but again, I I'm I'm reeling from the Lance Blanks pick that I missed, which was clear as day. So I'm just trying to do what I can here. So there's there's my three guys who will attempt to foul Lance into oblivion, basically. <laughs> All right, Joe, you're up. Who's your last guy? Um, I'm looking. I'm looking at my list right. I had I had a list on my phone, but um, way more prepared than us. <laughs> no, oh, I just I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. You know, I think I gotta go with Jane Slater. She's, Jane Slater. Um, I think I think Jane, from um, an athletic standpoint, I think she played sports growing up, and she used to cover us when um, she was a Longhorn Network, and um, now she's big time at NFL Network. But yeah, um, she she's an athlete, and I could see her as kind of a three point assassin. Just you got Lance, and you got Brian Davis on the pick and roll, and set up in the corner, et cetera, set her up in the corner, even on the wing, and when that helped. When that help drops down, because someone, I mean, you're going to double team Lance. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, all three of you, my guys are going to go after Lance. So, right. you're so going to have you've some got, open shots from the perimeter. Right. You're going to have some shooters. So, I, I'd put I'd put Jane on the perimeter and let her shoot a little bit. So, that, those would be my yeah. three Lance Blanks, Brian Davis, and Slater. Yeah. I don't, I, honestly, you, you could have picked like two of us as the, the last two, and you had Lance. And I mean, unless his knees are jello at this point, we're pro- you're probably winning this. Don't be, don't be so sure, Johnny. Tim, Tim, who you got? Uh, nothing. Yay! Your guy? No, Shores wins. Yeah, he wins. <laughs> but I'm on your team. Yeah, dude, John, right. Tim, you have yeah. to make a good. Yeah, you make wait, a third I, pick. Okay. You got uh, God damn. Get through uh, your alcohol, your alcohol, your alcohol haze, and pick somebody. Okay, Will. We're Let's, losing. This, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Joe. We're 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 this is a this is a bad team. So wait, this is okay, so it's it's who, Joe and Will? Who who is his first pick? Jerry Hamilton. Oh yeah, no, you're Joe. De- okay, I'm a not, I'm look, no offense, Joe, but I'm definitely not coming in last on this. No, we can we can win. That that's not a terrible team. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right, All well. Right. Okay. Well, um I was trying to go through and so I have a potential point guard. I have a big. 
I need a guy who can, you know, who's a guy who can potentially shoot or at least, you know, defend uh, and, you know, maybe has some hops who can get to the rim. And I was thinking Rod Babers. Mm. He's a guy who's on the on radio all the time. He was a defensive back. He went to the NFL. He's got hops. He's He has to have hops. So, you know, I think Rod Babers would make a good shooting guard type player here. So my team is going to end off being Emmanuel Acho, Justin Wells, and Rod Babers. How often do you think Justin gets the ball in this scenario? <laughs> very, very little. He, he's a disher. He's a guy who just dishes it out. Okay, He's the Brock Cunningham and then, and the of your team. the other two are the ones who are just basically yeah. telling them, go to the rim. You're going to the rim. So <laughs> that's it. Joe, how do you think you did? I like I like my chances. Um, probably heavily rely on Lance. Um, but Brian Davis, I th- like I said, could be mean in the pick and roll. And then we've got Slater on the outside that can throw in a couple threes. I, I think we could fare well. Johnny, how are you using your team? I'm just going to see if maybe we could. I, I, look, I, I love Lance. But if I can foul him out of this game somehow, I'm doing it. I think that's my the entire game plan is like look if if Jane Slater and Brian Davis beat us so be it but Lance I got like that's that's the dude you get like triple team him and be like just let somebody else hit the shots that's fine I I'll, I don't know if any of my guys are tall enough to really affect Lance's shots so that might just be a fool's errand in the first place <laughs> and Tim how are you coaching myself Joe <laughs> and Jerry Hamilton. Put your unmute. Unmute yourself. Whataburger? Question mark. Whataburger? You just, you just send us to Whataburger. Yeah. Whataburger. Yes. All right. That's a winning sure. formula there. All right. Well, Joe, thank you for joining us. Oh no problem. I was just gonna say it's been fun. Uh, y'all are a great follow, and I'm excited to be able to to spit a little bit of knowledge with y'all. I don't know how how helpful or how entertaining it'll be but um I'm glad i get to share a little bit of texas hoops with y'all and joe where can they find you on the internet especially where they can find your writing um it will be on my twitter um at joe schwartz 25 um we'll probably post a link on in- instagram same username at joe schwartz 25 like i said it's it's been something that i've been working on a little bit on and off this season and haven't really known exactly how I wanted to, to go about it. Almost released it on senior night, but thought that was a little bit premature because um, I had a pretty good feeling about Kansas City. I think before the tournament's going to be a very appropriate time to, to get it out there and kind of give people a little bit of an inside look on this team and, and what what they've gone through and um, this year and, and years past and kind of how I've left or how it's been since I've left the program and the changes I've seen and um, the maturity that I've seen from these guys. So it's, it's something that, that I think will be, be really fun to read and um, hope people will enjoy it. And y'all thank you for pretending we're a football for the past hour and to an hour and a half, however long we end up making this show. I've been your host, Will Bazer. You guys can find me on Twitter at W I L L B A I Z E R Johnny Bashir, bitter white guy. Where can we find you? Uh, at bitter white guy on Twitter and bitterwhiteguy.substack.com. I've got the Big 12 champs recap there. I got some notes about the upcoming tournament there. So find me there and Patreon, where I do not show nudes, but there will be suggestive implied 
photos from time to time. Wait, but real quick, real quick, real quick. Uh, I've got to ask because I'm, I'm allowed to ask a question, right? Yes. Oh, yes, of course. I've got to know final four picks. That's my only question from y'all. I don't need, uh, I don't need champions. I don't, I don't boy, care. I even, okay. All Just right. off the top of your head, final four picks, ready, go. Uh, I had uh, Gonzaga, Texas, Arkansas, and Houston. I'll go Gonzaga, Baylor. I'm going to go, I, I want to say Oklahoma State. And you know what? Texas or Bama, Texas or Bama. I'm going to go. There's literally it's no penalty to being wrong. It's not Texas. Fo- Let's go Texas. Yeah, Texas gets it. some revenge. All right. So for some reason, three Big Twelve play, three Big Twelve teams in in the uh, final four for me, facing Gonzaga. So I've got let's, let's let's go. I've got us out of the the East. I've got the Zags in the West. I really like the way Illinois has been playing. I really like Brad Underwood, but I've got him versus Huggins in the Midwest Regional. If Cockburn can play a full game without fouling, think Illinois. Uh, that's going to be a fun game to watch if it gets to that point. Uh, I'd probably go Illinois. That that could change. Um, and then in the South, I'm between Baylor and Tech. I've got a weird feeling about Tech for for this. I think a six seed's kind of disrespectful for the team that they have and their experience in the tournament. But between them and Baylor, God, Baylor's dominated them the first two games. Um, probably lean Baylor for now. This is subject to change, but right now I'd go Texas, Gonzaga, Illinois, oh, and Baylor. You. It won't be though, because it's it's not going to be three one seeds, but that's that's who I would go with right now. And that's probably going to change ten times between now and Friday. Tim, after you tell us who's in your final four, tell us where we can find you on the internet. Um Texas. Texas. Texas, Texas. Uh inside Texas dot hoops and no X and Johnny's house and I love him. Yep. I'm so drunk. I'm so drunk. I can't I can't do anything. I'm so drunk. I'm you so guys sorry. can find Sober Tim on Inside Texas Hoop. No S. You can find them on Inside Texas as well. Apparently they have a good community. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, you guys can find other shows like this on the Hornscast channel. It's the Hornscast channel on any podcasting platform out there. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you all next week. Hook them. Hook them. Hook them. So here's here's the thing. If I say it, what do yeah, I say okay. it? Because like I've only Last said it. Last time you said it. I've only said it, it once. It didn't go well. Well, no, it didn't. That's the thing. It's like I said it. They were at the end of a five-game winning streak. I was excited. And then they got shithoused by Oklahoma State. So, so do say I it. say it don't in say celebration? It. No. Or because they did something really special, but also am I, yeah. Okay, this I'm is, not, is going to be the hockey thing where you don't celebrate until you have the Stanley Cup. Or like a, you know, a no-hitter. I just can't talk about it, basically. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. Not saying it. Not saying it. All right.